You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but for many, it is merely fiction. Join our conversation as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show, visit us online at betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 18 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And before we jump right into the text, just want to remind you guys, uh, whatever you're doing right now, unless you're, you know, unless you're driving or something, go ahead and like and subscribe and do whatever positive interaction is on the platform you're listening to allow us to be able to spread the podcast farther and farther. I noticed that since we've been saying that for a couple of weeks, we've had a sharp incline in the number of people doing that, even in written reviews on iTunes. Those are the holy grail. If you're listening to this on iTunes, leave us an actual written review, just one or two sentences, and that makes a huge, huge difference. And also, if you have any comments or feedback, even if it's negative feedback, I invite you to go to our website, uh, betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com, and right on the front page, you can fill a little form out, and it comes straight to us, and we would love to address your feedback either on air or off air, but that's really cool. We always love to hear feedback from the audience. At least we know that somebody is listening, be it you know good feedback or bad feedback. That's a big encouragement for us. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> right? Oh, that, that actually, I was, I, uh, I was just saying that to be cute, but... We're talking about the mother of all living today, so that works. There's my segue. Nathan Van Horn. In your face. What? <laughs> I, I hope to one day be just like you, Nathan. <laughs> like, that, I want uh, to aspire to the quick-wittedness. That, that works about as well as it did in the Garden of Eden, so I, I would check your aspirations. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, so speaking of which, we are coming up on the end of Chapter 3, aren't we? I don't. I feel Ta-da. like I've become emotionally attached to Genesis one through three. I, I feel like there's a great I, I, sadness in leaving the Eden scene. Well, you know that that is pretty accurate because that, imagine how Adam and Eve felt. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they probably felt worse. Yeah, where are we starting today? Why don't we start in verse seventeen? Because we're going to talk about Adam buying the farm, literally. And uh, then we're going to... And figuratively. And figuratively. And uh, we're going to work through the end of the chapter and talk about uh, some some of the evidence of not so much repentance, but at least uh, an embrace of God's promises or an embrace of God's promise. And then we'll pretty much close out the rest of the chapter this week. Great. You're very optimistic. I'm hopeful. (laughs) <laughs> that's right we've only been in chapter three for like the past 10 episodes so you know actually let's not close out the chapter why don't we end in verse number 22 and let's leave the whole cherubim stuff for next week we'll do one more that way we can, we can hold on to eden just one more week just when we thought we were out they pull us back in it's funny i had a, a a listener ask me this week they said Hey, so I have a question. I like how you all record this stuff. Do you all like rehearse beforehand and just act surprised or do you, you know, I was like, well, we have like a rough idea, but it's still pretty, you know, organic and stuff like that. She goes, oh, okay. 
So, anyway. uh, listener, I'd like to assure you, there is no plan. Where... <laughs> 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 it, it was flattering to think that we had one. So, yeah, well, I'll, I'll read. What did you say? 17 through. Let's go 17 through. Uh, 21. Yeah, 21. All right. And to the listener, as always, we're reading from the ESV version of the Bible, if you want to follow along. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of of all living and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them outstanding so we're going to talk about buying the farm now Adam's a farmer he is no longer the keeper of the secret garden he is out of the garden he's on his way out and he how is did we not to... have a how did we not have secret garden as an episode oh, the... title we totally should have had one he is we're so sorry <laughs> yeah he is now out of the mountain garden he is down down the mountain in the valley in the dust in the dirt and he's scratching to survive and to cap it all off he's going to die so this is where we are so it is interesting by the way like you know so the nature of their sin was eating something they weren't supposed to eat right mm -hmm. and so it's interesting that the punishment even passively is eating in a way that they were not intended to initially. Because they ate something they were not supposed to, they are reduced to a state of eating in a way that was not originally designed. Right. In the guard, yeah, because there's no evidence in Genesis chapter 2 that their tending of the garden has anything to do with, with them working eating. the ground or the tree. Yeah. Right. It's just rather their tending of the garden has to do with spreading the garden all over the earth not providing for themselves the source of food. But now exactly. out in the wilderness, hey, these are not trees. These are these are annual plants. You're going to have to work hard and the work is going to take the life out of you. And That's you're going it. to die. You'll return to the dust. So everyone probably has heard the figure of speech buying the farm. And yeah. Uh, it actually does not. It's uh, it comes out of uh, the fantasized time of the American West, or the just the fictional fictionalized uh, remembering of the American West. But buying the farm is dying, and death enters the story here. And there's, believe it or not, a lot of disagreement. <laughs> on how death enters the story. We did talk about a couple weeks ago that it's interesting when God was doling out the consequences to Adam. Uh, Nathan, you taught us that it was a cow passive participle, that cursed is the ground because of you, that it's this is happening because you have done this. So certainly God is the one who set in motion before all this started the consequences of what would happen if it was going to happen. Um, but that this is something that man has done to himself. So now the ground is cursed. And because 
this man must take his life from the cursed ground, he's he's dead. He's done. So from, from the day man starts drawing breath, woman starts drawing breath, they are living and breathing the curse. Yeah, that, that is interesting. So in the garden, they eat of a tree that God sets up. So it's kind of, there's almost, and this is probably maybe a stretch, but kind of a grace versus works thing there, right? I think so. You, when they're in the garden, they're partaking of a tree that God has uh, both set up and sustains. And by virtue of eating of God's tree, there is perpetual life. Right. Outside of the garden, they work by the sweat of their brow. They have to deal with thorns and thistles in the field. And even the best they can do for themselves will ultimately lead to death. Right. So I, I have a nephew, and at Christmas this uh, past year, or it was the year before last, it was before coronavirus, he told me, he said, so Matt, I've been thinking, I have this theory, what if oxygen is poison? It just takes 80 years of breathing it in to kill you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Your nephew told you that? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know what? I don't know. Let's think about it. So I don't know about oxygen being poisoned. But the ground is cursed. You are not getting out of this place alive. It isn't a lot of compounds that are harmful to humans. That's like in true. And chem- yeah. chemistry, I know that we're being completely facetious right now. <laughs> right. Uh, but but in, I remember in high school chemistry, you learned that rhyme, little Johnny took a drink, but he will drink no more for what he thought was H2O was H2SO4. <laughs> uh, H2- oh, boy. H2SO4 is sulfuric acid. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but this is I, now a science podcast. But I, <laughs> but I, ask, I also think of like rust, uh, iron oxide, Fe two O three, right? Um, it's it's the mixing of oxygen. <laughs> this is the bad version of that uh, praise song. This is the air I breathe. That's funny. So we still see evidence me. of this today. You have a deep we nephew, so- man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he is also a student at Mississippi College. His name is Dylan. Um, oh, so well, that's shout why. out to, to my alma school. mater there. That's right. Yeah, mine too. And so anyway, something that's interesting is that we still see the evidence of the thorns and thistles today. You've probably heard this said before. If you have somebody with a Christian worldview and something happens, you know, in God's creation, it's like, oh, that came with the fall. Uh, I remember as a kid, we had trees in our backyard that had the little gumballs you know what i'm talking about those little sticky balls that fall off the trees oh yeah, yeah. if you walk outside barefoot you, you start say, rolling and i it usually hurts a lot. i usually found them unintentionally right so <laughs> it was i remember my dad i have an early memory of my dad saying oh my goodness these things came in the fall like there were there were these trees did not exist in the garden so <laughs> it reminds me of a funny story uh that happened in, in church one night. This has been about a decade ago. I was just started pastoring. This is down in South Mississippi. And we were ta- I was talking about the residual effects of the fall, the fact that the ground is still cursed. And uh, there's a lady who's now, she's now in heaven now. She, she raised her hand and she said, Pastor, um, can I share a testimony? And so that's just typically not typical to interrupt the, the teaching time and share a testimony. And I remember I just said, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so she just started talking and she just said, I, I hear what you're saying about, uh, you know, the cursed ground and whatnot. Um, but she said, I think that in Christ that the curses leave us. And so 
what I would say the technical term of what she was doing is she was over-realizing her eschatology. Certainly there is a day that's coming when we're going to return to the Edenic state, but we're not there yet. We still live in the cursed ground. And uh, I said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, I'm telling you, if you have enough faith, you won't feel the effects of the fall. And she said, because in Genesis 3, it says women's pain and childbirth will be increased. And she said, because I, I believed and I exercised faith, I experienced no pain in the last three children I gave birth to. And I remember just sitting there pondering and saying, I don't really know what to say to this. And I just said, um, well, thank you. Um, I'm sure that there might be some godly women out there tonight that might testify differently, but thank you for sharing. Well, well, after the service, there was this little lady in her late 80s, Miss Jewel Izell. Remember her? She came over to me on our walker and she said, Pastor, I think what that woman was trying to say was she had an epidural. <laughs> because we still live in the cursed ground. You see it. If that yes. were the if that were the emphasis of this episode, we would title it "Every Rose Has Its Thorn." <laughs> that's that's good. That's good. Yeah, but what what's the other aftermath? So uh, one one of the things that we've stressed, Matt, uh, in previous episodes, is that like the serpent, there is consequence for the man and the woman. But unlike the serpent, there is a there is a measure of hope and grace on the other side of the consequence. Right. Right. So where do we see that in the aftermath? I I think the first place we see it is verse number 20, that after you just have in verse 19, after we see in verse 19, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. In verse 20, it switches the flow of the text and says, the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Now, I know it's it's one of those things we have to, you know, unlearn what we have learned because we know where the text is going. I even worked on my Yoda voice this week, uh, but I, I can't pull it together because I've got a little bit of a cold. But, <laughs> you know, everyone you is so disappointed. What you have learned. All right. Oh, that's pretty <laughs> Something good. Something like that. I, I'm proud of you. Mark. Okay. There you go. So, we know that Eve is going to be mom, but we're not there in the text yet. So we, she's this, not a mom this, yet. She's not a mom yet. So this this statement, it, we miss it. That notice that the man Adam is naming his wife Eve as a mother before she's had children. Now, what is that tying itself into? Well, oh, last week. Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium, that the seed of the woman... I thought you were going to say woman, belly, man. <laughs> Evangelium. But the Proto-Evangelium is the seed of the woman is going to crush the seed of the serpent, crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And here we see in verse 20 that man... Bef- yeah, he's embracing the promise. Yeah, so it's, it's almost an affirmation by faith that what God said is coming to pass because he speaks it before it comes to be. Yeah, and so when you see this in Abraham's story, after God promises Abraham that he's going to be the father of many many nations, and, you know, and Abraham says, how will I know? And uh, after he believes, after he believes, it says, and it was credited to him righteousness. Even though that's not explicitly what is said here, and we're not alone in this, uh, the well, New you do American have Paul, commentary. 
You also say yeah. Paul talking about it in Romans 4. Uh, he did not waver in unbelief, but he promises that what God had spoken, he was able to do. Um, you know, he believed that what God had spoken, he was able to do. Well, talking uh, about so, Abraham. Yeah, talking about Abraham. So you kind of yeah, have no that doubt same on Abraham. Act. I'm talking yeah. about Adam here. Well, that's what I'm that, saying. A- Adam, Adam is essentially naming her a motherly term, right? But as his response to what God had spoken, um, right? And also, it's he's taking the initiative where he had been passive before. He is now taking the initiative as the leader. And well, and that's is, what I was going to say. You have a you have a return to his Genesis two activity. Uh, right. You know, oh, Adam was given the authority of naming the creatures in the garden. And uh, then when Eve is made, this one shall be called woman. But now you have that return to the language of naming. He, he gives her the name. You know, in other words, on the day where they introduce death, he gives her a name that captures the hope of ongoing life. Yeah, it's, it's the last thing they do before they leave the garden is he gives one more thing a name, which... It's interesting because I like that implication that Eve just didn't have a name before this point. Like he was, hey, woman, come over here. Adam Adam is the only man who's ever gotten away with calling his wife woman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was no reason for her to have a name. Uh, I was was, uh, preaching at First Tupelo. Hey, First Tupelo folks, thank you for your gracious hospitality over the weekend. And he did a great Uh, job. uh, But I was preaching there over the weekend, and I made reference back to John 2 in my sermon when uh, Mary approaches Jesus and he says, woman, what is it? What is yeah. it to you? I mean, what is it to me? My hour's not yet come. And I said, granted, we're in the South. So this, is, this should be understood idiomatically as ma'am. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. Because yes. no one, no one, no one other than Adam can get away with calling a, a woman, just woman. Yes. And even he doesn't stay there forever. He names her Eve. <laughs> so in looking at this, this is Adam embracing the promise this is Adam believing the promise. So it's also what we're going to see frequently throughout the rest of Genesis. When the characters make big mistakes, you don't really see in Genesis the whole repentance moment. Uh, in a lot of the different narratives, you don't ever hear of, and they acknowledged their wrong and said, I'm sorry, God, and then moved on. You don't have those moments of David saying, I've sinned against the Lord. Rather, it's just assumed, I can think of episodes throughout um, Jacob's life specifically and his brother, it's just assumed that there is a change that has taken place. I think of the story about Joseph and his brothers. They never actually apologized to him, but their behavior demonstrates to Joseph that they've had a change of heart. So I think right here, and looking at verse 20, Adam's behavior is showing that, look, he's embracing the promise. Hmm. I like that. It's actually, have you guys ever heard of the literary device, a MacGuffin? No. What's that? Okay. So a MacGuffin refers to a element in the story that is going to bring about ultimate victory for the characters. It is the vehicle by which victory will be delivered to the main plot. Um, An example, we always go to it, but I'm going to say it again. Lord of the Rings, the ring is the MacGuffin. MacGuffin, If we can just get this ring into Mount Doom, throw it in the volcano, that's going to bring us about our victory. Even though the ring is bad, it's still going to deliver victory to the characters. So I like how Yeah. We, we've talked about this in early episodes. It's MacGuffin, is that what you're saying? Yeah, the MacGuffin sets the context for the action. The, uh... the, the, the Chekhov's gun foreshadows 
it's something that's introduced seemingly haphazardly into the plot that signals it will be unpacked or or revisited in, as the story progresses. The MacGuffin is the thing that serves as the context for the action. Oh, I see. Correct. And so I like, we talked about early episodes, how Genesis was acting as a polemic against competing ideologies and competing worldviews. And I like how basically Eve has been set up and indeed women, like, you know, women of God in general are set up as the MacGuffin, right? Mm. Because it's setting up Eve as being the one who delivers, you know, the savior, the ultimate victory for mankind. I just think that's, that's pretty cool that it starts off with like it has set up Eve as like this is going to be the route. Mm. And by the by way, which... and by the way, notice in popular literature um, how often, uh, b- both biblically, so I think of Moses in the Bible and later Jesus in the Bible, how how often uh, you know the the struggle between good and evil on an almost cosmic scale or perhaps even a cosmic scale um, is centered on the birth of a baby. Hmm. Yeah, and also you were just mentioning Lord of the Rings, and I know we've gone there a lot. But I was thinking about uh, the uh, the the Witch King that was killed by the one who no man could kill, but the woman kills him. Mm. Ah, what's well the character? Played. I love that. What's the character? You know that. him, Gandalf. What's the name of I that am, girl? I am no man. Yeah, I it's am um, it's it, I forgot. It's Theoden's daughter. I, I forgot her name. No, but it's, it's his Theoden's. niece. Oh, it's his niece. You're right. It's his niece. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Theomir, I love it's that. Theomir's sister, right? Right. Is, isn't her name like Aomir? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Wow. No, Aomir was his son. Okay, this... Oh, right. Aowyn. Aowyn. I'm sorry. Aowyn. There Aowyn. Go. Gosh, not 90% of our listeners just tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> I better not hear anybody say that Tolkien is sexist when he literally made the unkillable character killed by a woman. Yes. I, I'll get off my soapbox. Yes, that's true. That's true. So he's tapping into here uh, the promise. Adam well, I, is believing the promise. And again, within biblical theology, uh, to tie in a point from last week, uh, you know, so we've talked about that the devil is often particularly dangerous because he doesn't look dangerous. He's not an obvious bad guy. He often accomplishes destructive ends through deceit and confusion leading things astray so his danger is not self-evident right we've talked about that yes is it possible that we see the uh, the opposite of that with a woman her ability you know so again uh god's word of judgment to the serpent positioned her seed against the serpent seed that the woman in other words the woman is going to play a role right and she's still fulfilling um, the original role of helper. Yeah. We talked about Holy Spirit, the same that's word that's used but, salvation. But what looks what looks like what looks like a a weaker role will be the means of undoing the not so obvious bad guy. You see what oh, you, you can that, that is a major theme that flows through that the That is scripture. a huge that's a huge thing. Uh, by and the not way, just when it comes to women, uh, but just Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting to go where we went last week, where, you know, in Romans 6, 17 through 20, when he says uh, that God is soon to crush Satan under your feet, talking about the church. Well, who's who's the church? The bride. It's it's the bride <laughs> of mm. Christ, the way that Eve was the bride of Adam. How interesting that that's how God fulfills that promise. Anyway. Um, mm. That's so good. Does that make sense, Gandalf? Are you tracking with that? Oh, yeah, I'm tracking. 
because like, what you're saying is basically, you know, the it's the it's the trope of the unlikely hero, right? You know, the one who the devil is the bad guy. He's the you know the big bad guy, but he doesn't always look like the big big bad guy. And conversely, you know, the ultimate the the vehicle by which salvation is delivered isn't you know the biggest and baddest. It's you know a seemingly weaker role, just the helper. But ultimately, that's the delivery of salvation. Yeah, God, uh, God turns the MacGuffin into a MacGyver. Uh, the, uh. The, the unlikely context uh, for action becomes an unlikely instrument of deliverance. Uh, mm, so That's good. So we talked last week also about Adam and Eve having made for them by God skins that would have been taken from some animal. And it's also setting the tone going forward that we're going to read about in coming weeks, uh, ultimately getting to the Exodus and even more ultimately than that, the cross. But as soon as Nathan, like you mentioned earlier when we were talking before the podcast, as soon as Cain and Abel. That's it. Yeah. So the interesting thing is when Adam and Eve become sinners, uh, you know, their eyes are open and immediately they realize they're naked. So at the end of Genesis 2, they were naked and unashamed. Genesis 3.8, their eyes are opened and they're ashamed of their nakedness, so they cover themselves with fig leaves and they hide. It's interesting that God doles out consequences, but at the same time, God gives them a better covering than they gave themselves. Um, and so it, it, to me, it's kind of functioning like a different version of Adam naming his wife Eve. It's capturing that, hey, not everything has been mended in this moment, but this is a pledge that I'm not taking myself out of the equation on God's part right? I'm giving you a more durable form of covering than you would have on your own. And it is interesting, you know, as, as early as Cain and Abel, uh, Adam and Eve cover themselves with leaves. God covers them with skins. Uh, well, Cain and Abel, their sons, uh, we'll get to this next week, maybe two weeks, maybe two months at the rate we go. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Cain and Abel will both bring an offering to God Abel's offering mirrors God's, right? He offers an right. animal of the field, uh, like God implicitly would have had to do in order to cover them with skins. Cain brings an offering from the ground, which kind of mirrors Adam and Eve's. And God looks with more favor on the offering of Abel. Now, now that's yeah. not a, that's not because it's God, an animal versus a plant. God Hebrews provides goes the animals, that. and man grows his own plants. It's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if there's something there. God's uh, so provision versus ours. So, so pun in, pun intended. There's some food for thought. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's good. That's no so, worse than proto evangelium. <laughs> so, so true, so true. Well, uh, next week we've got at least one more week here in Genesis chapter three. We do want to talk about. And this is just something that our listeners can go ahead and be thinking about is how our nature is similar and different than Adam's. And what does that mean? And how do we interpret the sinful nature and what it means to be a sinner from the story? And this is that's going to be another one of those moments when we're going to have to lean into the story we're reading rather than the system, systematic that we can just quickly articulate. And not that the systematics are wrong, uh, 
but it's just what is the story communicating about what it means to be a sinner and what it means to be human going forward from this place in the text. I like how we started this episode with the full intent of getting all the way through chapter three. And then like literally as we're recording, we decide, okay, well, you know, we're only going to get down to verse 21. (laughs) Um, But, but you know, (laughs) there's just so much good stuff here and and it will pick up as we go forward in Genesis. I mean, we're not going to take and spend a whole episode on, you know, each name and a genealogy. Uh, It's going to pick up. It's going to go faster, but these are just those major themes that are going to be, coming up again and again as we go forward in the story. Yeah, well, you know, just just like the Bible, uh, there's a plan, and sometimes it, <laughs> there's an audible call right in the middle of it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so um, we'll go ahead. I think we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Oh, just as a, a quick note before you say that, I want to uh, welcome some new listeners. Nathan preached where we are in, in Tupelo last week, and I had the privilege of being in... Uh, the Chicago area, Chicago land, and at a church. Did you there. ever get a deep dish pizza? No, I did get a Chicago hot dog though. It was marvelous. Shame on you, Carrie Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my friend Carrie Hughes up in, or, or our friend, we we all know Carrie and love him, but at Living Grace Community Church up in Carrie, Illinois, and I know a few of his folks there in that church are listening. So welcome to those who are coming to us from the north. So welcome to you all. Yes, and if you're still listening, uh, appreciate you guys going all the way to the very end of the episode. Um, again, if you want to continually receive updates about the podcast, new episodes, that sort of thing, go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and favorite this. If you're listening on Spotify, just, you know, quote unquote, like it. And that way you'll always be up to date. We release every Tuesday as best we can. Unless there's a once in a century snowstorm. Slash ice storm. Ice Correct. storm. <laughs> ice storm. It was ice first and then the snow came. It was terrible. And we couldn't even get to the church to use the computer to upload the episode. Correct. It, it just, that's from the fall. <laughs> it came text, with the fall. There was no it came ice with the fall. before man <laughs> was expelled from the garden. It never. <laughs> that's right. There was no ice. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. No ice before the fall. Anyway, listener, thank you for sticking with us. And we'll hope that you continue to listen every week. You guys have a great day. We'll see you next week. All right. Peace out. Shalom. All right. I'm locking that in. That was good.